I'm 5'11", and I plan on getting huge. Well, hello, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, and uh, welcome to episode 62 of the Jake This of Jake Johansson podcast. I am Jake Johansson. It's me again. Hello. Uh, yeah, had a big weekend this weekend. It's not over, actually. I'm still in my weekend. Your weekend is over because this comes out on Tuesday. So that's how that works. I figured that out. I've been over this, uh, ladies and gentlemen. But I took a little trip with my family up to Ojai, California. It's spelled O-J-A-I. Ojai, but uh, ever since the OJ trial, they've changed it to Ojai. That's not true. Uh, it's always been Ojai, and I went up there because we had some friends who moved up to Ojai, and we thought we'll go up and visit them. You know, they've they've fled the city for this paradise of this kind of hill hill village, but, but it's sort of a touristy place, and it's also hotter than holy cow, and dusty and dirty. It's a scrubby desert brushy. Oh, it's hot. It's hot. But we had a good time in Ojai. We went to a swimming hole and saw some <laughs> trailer park people going swimming, smoking cigarettes and drinking beer and spray painting on rocks. That's nice to go out to the country and to interact with some of, some of the locals. And so we did that. And uh, we went out to dinner at a healthy vegan-y thing where you order the tuna and then it's a tuna pepper stuffed with this tuna something or other and at first I'm worried well should I eat the tuna I'm asking my wife you know the environmental expert should I have the tuna and she says uh, oh well I think you're probably okay because I'm you know we're worried about mercury from the whole radioactive mercury now from the Fukushima disaster and so I go to order these pepper stuff with tuna and she says well actually we don't, it's not tuna I have to tell you it's a kind of a nut blend I don't know why they call it tuna but they call it tuna but it's not tuna it's this nut blend thing because it was all vegetarian kind of uh, chow at this restaurant so we we had that so we went swimming with some uh, hillbillies and uh, then we went out to a vegetarian restaurant <laughs> So we did it all, and we sweated in the hot dirt, saw some lizards, and uh, it was it was just a good time. So that's where I that's where I just was, and uh, let's talk about where I'm going. That's what I like to do this time of the show. And then we get on with the show. I got a special guest this week, Owen Smith, comedian Owen Smith, and I'll tell you more about him in a minute. But first, here's where I'm going this week. Everyone, Wednesday, September 18th, I'll be at the Tulalip Casino, just north of Seattle. Uh, if you don't know where it is, you'll never find it. But if you do know where it is, come on out. That's a free show. And then on September 20th and 21st, I'll be outside, just outside of Seattle in Kirkland, Washington. I think they're contiguous Kirkland and Seattle. They connect to each other, in case you didn't know what contiguous meant. But uh, if you want to come out to Laugh's Comedy Spot in Kirkland, Washington, September 20th and 21st, that's Friday and Saturday night, it is always a good time. It's in a, it's in a funny mini mall with mirrored glass windows, but don't let that fool you. The quality is top-notch, first class. We're going to have a good time in there. They have a full bar plus snacks. So don't be late for those shows this weekend. That's going to be fun. And then September 22nd, I've tried to put the alert out to all my Portland fans. I'm finally coming to Portland on September 22nd, Sunday. I'll be at Helium Comedy Club. Please report there for duty. If you want to link to any of these dates, you can check my website, jakethis.com. I'm going to be at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival, LA Podfest, October 6th. There's also 
um, pod festing going on the fourth and fifth, and you can get a weekend pass. It's supposed to, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to try and be hanging out there. So if you come on one of the other days, there's a good chance I'm walking around. You'd say hi. Maybe I'll bring my recorder, and you could be on my pod. You could be on the walking around podcast. Um, okay. Then October uh, 16th to 20th, I'll be in Minneapolis, Minnesota at Acme Comedy Club. Always delicious. Later that uh, later that same fall, I'll be in Denver at the Comedy Works in Lodo. I'll be in Chicago at Zany's in November, uh, in both downtown and in Rosemont. And then uh, November 17th, there's a big show, Benefit for My Kids School at Magicopolis, Magicopolis here in Santa Monica. And... Uh, it's not just going to be me. It's going to be several other uh, friends of mine, Derek Hughes, Greg Fitzsimmons, Owen Smith, who's today's guest, and Laurie Kilmartin. So uh, if you live in the L.A. area and want to come to that, you should link to that from my site. Tickets are $40. It's going to be a fun night. It benefits the school. I'm going to be on stage for about 20 minutes. We can hang out, and uh, you can see some of my friends. It's going to be a good time. Check it out. Uh, Fort Lauderdale Improv. I'm going to be there later this year. And then December 5th through 8th, I'll be taking my new special in Cleveland, Ohio at Hilarities. Please, please get your tickets now for that. It's the 5th through 8th in Cleveland. I'm taping the special on the Saturday night. But the other nights, it will also be an awesome show. Hilarities is great fun. And I think they will have Christmas ale in Cleveland at that time of year. And Christmas ale is dangerously delicious. Um, So that's where I'm going. I hope that you will go there too and we can be together and have some fun. And now, (laughs) back to this Ojai adventure. Uh, Well, I guess I don't need to tell you more about Ojai, except that it's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be just right out of L.A. So we're going to just zip up there, you know. It's going to take an hour and a half to drive up there. That's what the phone, that's what the stupid phone, the stupid smartphone told me it was going to take an hour and a half to get up there. And then you you get in the car and boom, accident we didn't have an accident, but there was an accident in front of us is, is, you know, with the, you know, now they have signs over the top of the road that light up and tell you what hell you're caught in. There's an accident up ahead. That's why, that's why you're not moving. They don't, they don't tell you get off the road or this is what you could have done, or this is how you should do it. And so we got stuck in traffic driving up there, which was unpleasant. It took us an extra hour. So that's two and a half hours for keeping score at home. But today we burned it home in an hour and a half. So that was great. So we took about a three day vacation inside of a, slightly more than a 24-hour period. So that was sweet. Um, We're going to finish watching Star Wars with uh, our daughter tonight. It's her first time seeing it. And I hadn't seen Star Wars in a long time. And uh, we're watching the first episode, which is actually the fourth episode, the first one that came out, Star Wars, the original one, which now they call Star Wars 4. It's not confusing if if you're a person from... Well, I don't know. I think it is confusing. And it seems like George Lucas has added a few things in there that I didn't remember from the first one. But it's been more than 10 years since I've seen it. Uh, and I saw it when it first came out in the theater. That's that's who you're dealing with. That's that's the age of me. Um, I was old enough to go to a movie theater in 19, I think it was 78, and watch that. And I thought it was awesome. And when you watch it again on your TV, it is still awesome. And believe me, my daughter is out of her damn mind. She's nine. Star Wars is the coolest. It's one of her favorite movies. Right up there with Harry Potter now, she says. But from my point of view, it does not, uh, it's not quite, it's, it's not, it's not as awesome as it was when I was 18. But it still is pretty awesome. So we're going to watch the end of that tonight. So that's a good, uh, it's a good deal. And we're going to have some real fish or meat with dinner, I hope. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We're eating a lot of kale nowadays because that's, that's, everybody's eating kale. 
in a few years we'll be, we'll all be eating something else. I'm in, I'm, I live in a part of the world where we don't just eat the things that we like forever. We change the things that we like and then eat them for a few years. And they're our new thing that we're going to eat forever until a few years go by. And then we switch, you know, we're all into sushi for a while. And then we're off of that. Then it's taco night right now. It's kale time. And, uh, I'm getting ready to eat some kale salad. Let me tell you some, something else. Who's who else is on a health kick? You know, we didn't talk about this when Owen Smith was on the podcast, but I know he's on a health kick or maybe we did mention it. Now, see, it's been a week since I talked to Owen and you're going to, you're going to, um, know him from stand-up comedy. I met him. I, I bet I met him. He must've been in his early thirties. Uh, and now he's almost, uh, 40, uh, as he mentions in the podcast, and it's a big special weekend for him. This weekend, I had to delay, I had to delay the release of this episode for reasons that you will be aware of um, when you listen. But uh, Owen is uh, a very funny comic. He's also a talented writer. He was writing for Dion Cole's show, which was just on and waiting to see if that's going to get picked up. Uh, he wrote uh, for Whitney Cummings sitcom, sitcom, and uh, I think he was on Everybody Hates Chris too for a while. So uh, he he's a very funny guy. He's going to talk today about uh, the romantic life of a grown grown man and how those things change. So if you're a lady, this is a chance for you to get some insight into how men are thinking. And if you're a man, well, this guy's going to he's spilling some secrets. I think I don't know. It's I, I we had a great conversation. So uh, check it out, as they say when they are trying to sell you something on your way to or from the subway. Check it out. Check it out. It's Owen Smith. Look at the wheelchair, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you know Emery Emery? Mm-mm. He's a comic. And he produced and directed my special for Showtime. Okay. And he's got a, he had a wheelchair at his house, and I was like, "Boy, that's pretty comfortable for a desk chair." Um, where'd you get that? And he goes, "Hey, I have an extra one." So, uh, so now I have a wheelchair in my office too. Are you recording me right now? Yeah, it's on. Oh, We're on now. Let me tell you. Um uh, what do you call those things? Wives' tales or, or superstitions? Uh-huh. We, I, when I was in high school, I worked at uh, NIH. I grew up in Maryland, or Merlin, as they uh-huh. say, in uh, National Institutes of Health. I worked there for one summer. Uh-huh. And, and uh, every floor was a different, they treated a different sickness. And so, this is like when HIV was first coming out, and I was going on this math and science track, and I was going to be a doctor. But uh-huh. I, I found out there that I cannot stand the sight of blood. Like I get. Oh really? Like, so yeah. you? But you didn't. You had no clue to that. No clue until we were like as a group doing something, and I saw all this blood, and I just I felt like I was going to pass out. Like I was like I I can't be a doctor. Well, but you had obviously been around other people who got hurt and whatnot. Yeah, but that would be funny. You'd be with your. But when you actually are, you know, cutting something and then it's coming out, and you have to. I just, for some reason, I just wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't deal. Uh-huh. So they didn't put me out the program. They let me be a receptionist. <laughs> so uh-huh. I would rotate every day. I would be on a different floor. But in the 12th floor was the cancer ward. And they had, oh. and at night, and they had, they had a little indoor basketball court. So at night we would play basketball and they would do wheelchair races. They would, uh, like, you know, we would push people and they would race. But I was always afraid to sit in the wheelchair because... 
the superstition that you would end up in one. Like, oh, like, you thought it would jinx you or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Well, so far, so good. I mean, that is such a. This one is pretty old. It wouldn't. I mean, anyone who needed a wheelchair would feel like that's a pretty terrible wheelchair. <laughs> but it is comfortable. You know, like office chairs always have wheels on the bottom yeah, of them, so yeah, you can yeah. you can kind of wheel around in that thing. And uh, yeah, it's idiosyncratic. That's very cool. That's but that's my that's cool. my desk chair. <laughs> Um, so yeah man yeah uh, welcome to the podcast thank you're you. on the podcast we've been talking about it and yeah. now you're on finally here so I'm very excited I get nervous when I do podcasts though because I'm not that that literate and my, my vocabulary isn't that that sexy <laughs> <laughs> not that literate will you read I read but I, I don't I don't know twenty a lot of twenty five dollar words you know I wish I knew well no we we got to I like to stick pretty much to maybe a seven dollar word we get up to the seven dollar words but yeah we don't need to get into the double digits with our words right right yeah so, you know but I'm here man yeah now you were telling me we were walking around I was telling you about my wife and daughter and you were yes. telling me you you got some you, yeah I just I bought an engagement ring. Oh, what an engagement ring, Jay. And I remember I talked to you years ago about how you got yours. Uh-huh. You found a person who made the jewelry. and Right, my wife, wife yeah. knows a, her friend is a jewelry designer, Hillary Bean. Nice. People can look that up and buy jewelry from her if they want to, if they're listening to this. But where did you go to get your jewelry? I went, listen, okay, a lot of people kept telling me that they had a person, right? Uh-huh. And, but all those people that told me they had a person, they either weren't married or their engagements failed. So, as I already established, I'm a little superstitious about things I've never done. So you didn't even want to go to their jewelry designer. I didn't want to go to the jewelry yeah. designer. So um, I went to New York, went back to the cellar, and I was I was telling the ladies there that I, I want to propose to my girlfriend, and they all went on about Tiffany's. They were like, "You can't beat the blue box. Every lady loves the blue box." And I told them what my budget was, and they said you can get something for that day. And I go, "Really?" So. I took my girlfriend to Tiffany's. You took her there to get her, her to Tiffany's just to get her ring size because she was not. I tried to get one. How of could her she friends. possibly guess what you've got in mind? <laughs> she doesn't. She, she doesn't know when I'm going to do it. Right. She knows. She, but she knows it's it. coming. Right. She knows it's coming. And this is like. Uh, so I took her there, and she's she doesn't wear any jewelry. Mm-hmm. She's like I'm not. I'm not really into it. Um, as soon as she got into Tiffany, she became like a different. She knew exactly. I'm a seven. I went there. Like she knew. She became a different person. So I go okay, because the ring I would have gotten, she wouldn't have liked. <laughs> right. So you figured out what she likes. Figured out. Did she style. pick it out herself? Kind of. Or? Yeah. She. But she. She picked out the style. She kept going to a specific style. Uh-huh. So me and the sales clerk, we exchanged information. Then she uh, emailed me, and I told her what my budget was, and they. They had a ring for the budget. Yeah. And uh, so I went back and I bought it. And I was, you know, whoever says uh, love don't cost a thing never proposed. <laughs> yeah, that's not <laughs> cheap. It's, it's, it's I was lucky cheap. because my wife didn't want to get a diamond sheet. So hers has got a, uh, yeah. oh, God, I can't even remember what. It's the birthstone for August, whatever that. Or, yeah. Yeah. But, so it's a pretty blue um, stone. And you can get kind of a big, or maybe it's not August, but you can get a big fabulous whatever it is because it's because it's not a diamond so you can get a big rock so it's an impressive look it looks like some kind of royal jewelry but it wasn't as expensive as diamonds did you do did you do diamond listen listen so my one of my friends good friends um sent me an article saying 
you should show this article saying diamonds are bullshit, you know, and, and the whole. they kind of are right because they control the supply yes. and then they know, and then they, you can't really sell them afterwards for no. what you paid for them no. and nobody sells them cause it's their, it's like if you sell someone and go, Hey, this is, this is valuable. It's got great resale value, but no one ever resells them cause no it's way. their special ring. People get buried with them. Yeah. They dig them out of the ground. Then they bury them <laughs> back in the ground, back in the ground. And exactly. They go right back to the ground. And so I told my friend, I go, look, man, I know doing Letterman right now is, is bullshit, but I want to do it. And this is her Letterman. You know well, now, I mean? wait a minute. I'm on that show all the time. <laughs> I'm just saying it's bullshit as it's, far as... It's, not, it, it's, it's not what it used to be in terms of you exactly. go on the show and everybody knows who you are. But it is, exactly. but it is a huge... Uh, you know, if you go on that show, as far as comics are concerned, and no, as far as show business yeah. is concerned, people feel like, oh, you did it. I really want to do it. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Like, But I, I had a guy tell me, I met with this agent, I go, I really want to do Letterman. And he was like, it's bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything for you. And I was like, I can't mess with you because I really want to do it. Right. He doesn't understand that it's not. It, you, you don't. He doesn't know. When he says it doesn't do anything for right. you, it does. It, it totally doesn't. validates you. The coolest guy on TV put you on his show. Exactly. And everybody knows that. Exactly. Yeah. So and, it's, and that's what this diamond ring will be for her. It will totally validate everything uh-huh. she did as a woman to you know get this this is her super bowl so for me to this is her super bowl yeah for me yeah. to try to be like yeah diamonds are bullshit you don't need it and she and to a person who's never been proposed to or been engaged to i just like who am i to mm-hmm. do that so i'm gonna give her 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 super bowl and you've never been married before no i've never i've never she's never been married before never been married and we, we come from that generation where uh i was raised by a single mom so i've never seen a man and a woman work it out like ever uh, Not even your friends? No, no. I, I, I know I've been taught how to be a bad boyfriend better than how to be a good boyfriend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, not exactly. No, tell me about it. Oh, well, because <laughs> all of my friends were raised by single parents. Like, we mm-hmm. all grew up in an apartment complex, mm-hmm. and everybody had a mom that was around. And then there would be various men that would come around, and you know, but there was I didn't see any two-parent households growing up. Mm-hmm. And if I did see them, they would they were like a thing over here like i didn't i wasn't at their house i didn't see them yeah. i never saw them fighting whenever i saw them they were you know everything was fine so i never I, I don't so and a lot of the women that i was dating also came out of that you know with their mom raised them mm-hmm. and their mom told them you know man can we cuss on this well, yeah you can yeah, cuss yeah, if you want like, to men ain't men ain't shit don't uh, depend on a man have your own stuff so you know we I'm of the generation where we both want love, but we don't know what it looks like, so we would fear it and just... And I'm not a womanizer, because I was raised by a single mom, so she didn't feed that beast, but I was a scrutinizer, you know what I mean? Like, uh, So I would have these incredibly high standards and expectations... Uh, that's scrutinize. That might be a thirteen dollar word. I, I thought I would throw that in yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> I'm good so, for but, one. <laughs> so, so your mom, she didn't, she didn't have a lot of boyfriends. No, my, I never saw my mom date anybody. Oh, so she was she trying to send, even around. though she was single, she was trying to kind of send a message to you that she, you know, yeah, you're a priority to me. And these she made the biggest sacrifice. Like, I, and she would remind me. She was like, I could, I could, I could be, I could have a, I could have trips around the world, and I could, you know, have mink coats and all that stuff. But I'm deciding mm-hmm. I choose to raise you was her her thing and I was like alright I didn't know what that meant 
until yeah. I, you know, became uh, a man of age. But did well, she ever get married? Or, or, or she was a, married when, when she had me. Right, I got. But that. then got they that. got divorced. They were uh, separated. They got separated at nine months. I was born in the Bahamas. Uh-huh. And, uh, so you can never be president. I could never be president. I would be a good one. Yeah. I, well, I don't know if I want the job now. It's just too much. They don't talk about what's really happening. Yeah, well, we could do that next. We could do that next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, my, um, so my, I knew my dad, but he wasn't present in my life. And my mother never spoke bad about him in front of me. Mm-hmm. But whenever I would, like, exhibit bad behavior, she'd be like, you're just like your father. And I was like, so all I knew of my dad was just bad Whatever stuff. you did wrong, that's, yeah. that was like him? Yeah, that was like him. And it, But, it, but it, it develops this, like, innate fear of, like, if you've, um, you both know you want something. So I'm dating, so say I'm dating, a lot of the women I would date, we wanted to go somewhere, but we would, but we just, we didn't know that what we were doing was it. You know what I mean? Because we just didn't have that memory. Mm-hmm. That oh so so this is healthy right our relationship is good you know so if we had a dispute or an argument or if she did something weird or I did something weird it would that's it I can't we we would want to protect ourselves because that's all we knew and so well, so you would just pull the plug pull the plug like so I never I was never in a relationship longer than two birthdays you know what I mean like mm-hmm. after the second birthday. It would be something that I would see and I go, yeah, she smokes too much weed or she's not good with her money or she doesn't have a good relationship with her dad. Or I would find whatever the reason would be. Well, the dad one, the dad one is probably not such a big deal. But those other two, <laughs> those could be a problem. Those could really be a problem in yeah, a marriage. But I, I mean, I would just say I had to grow. Yeah. I had to grow. I had to be like, OK, all right. All right. You know, and how so, old are you right now? I'm 40. I just turned 40. I just turned forty. Oh yeah, see, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were forty already. Yeah, yeah, goes by fast. Yeah, so. believe me, I can. I tell you. <laughs> yeah, man. Because when I met you, you, I mean, that's got to be a long time ago. But anyway, so, yeah. so uh, you feel like you changed and you grew up, and yeah, you feel like like every time I would date somebody, I would learn a different lesson about myself and about just relationships, you know, and uh, and, and some lessons would be. Uh, you know, important ones. And some lessons would be silly, but they were all lessons in the same. And like, because I always would, I, all my friends are older. So, mm-hmm. and, and I would always have somebody in my life who was in a relationship or who was married. But what started happening to me too is when I first started hanging out with married people, I had trouble finding a faithful married person. Like, you know, like, because guys would do this thing where they would bring you into their you'd meet their mistress first and then you'd meet their wife and you got to keep that secret it's like i didn't even want i didn't even yeah want this. yeah it's, i don't talk about that because i really don't like that <laughs> i that to me is like look you, your business is your business i do get that yeah. you, you got to be we only get one life and you got to decide how you're going to spend it but don't make me into a liar you want to be a liar that's fine dude my 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 oof. well my dad used to when i so when i graduated from college but this uh, i started doing comedy and I stayed at my dad's house for uh, a year. No, like 11 months, right? And my dad, it just took him a while to grow up. Like, I, I got to know him as an adult. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing was, when he was a kid, he was raised by a single mom. And so he grew up in the Bahamas. And he went to school, boarding school in Jamaica and all this stuff. And in that culture, he was only validated if he got a lot of women. So mm-hmm. that was his, that's what he knew. He wasn't like a vicious dude, you know what I mean? But he just knew... Uh, 
the second question when he did talk to his dad or like the men in the area, they were like, you got a girlfriend? Oh, Mike's getting the girl. So that was his thing. So uh, even so you get a girlfriend and then you get a wife and then you get a girlfriend to go with your wife. That's it. I mean, whatever, whatever that thing, whatever that thing looks like, that was that was where he matured. You know, I mean, but the women, the women didn't sign up for that. They don't want that. Right. You you know, I mean, when you say it's in the culture, that's the thing. It's like it's in the culture with the men. But do well, it was in his experience. I'm not saying it's in the whole West Indian culture. I can't I can't say that. But I just know that that's how he was validated Uh as a man. As I was growing up in uh, around other young men, when you get around older men, a priority was how many people are you sleeping with? Like, I remember when I was in high school playing basketball in practice all the guys would just talk about how many girls they got and if a guy was quiet they would tease him and i never forget this one guy that kept teasing him because he was dating this girl who was cute and the whole thing was you ain't hit there yet you ain't hit there yet man you ain't hit there yet he was like nah man and they would tease him so hard then he finally had sex with it i remember he couldn't wait till after practice to tell everybody that he finally had sex and so, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. You know, like, what does he win? You know, so he he has sex with her. Locker room comes up and uh, everybody's talking about. So were else. you quiet then, too? Or Yeah, yeah, I was quiet. Cause, but no one ever really cared about my, it was weird. Like, no one, people always assumed I was doing something. Or they just didn't care. It was. It's because you're sexy. (laughs) You gotta be sexy. No, but it was like this group, the loudest guys. You know what I mean? And and they Mm -hmm. they would find people to pick on. I think if they would try to pick on me, I was quick too. So I could, I I would get them on something. Right, right. So they would, they wouldn't mess with me. So this guy couldn't wait uh, to tell them that he slept with this girl. Right. uh, And. I was waiting to see what's what's he win. Does he get like you know I don't know uh, some free sneakers? Does he get? Do they carry him around the gym? He told them the news, and it was like they, no one cared. It was no party, nothing. They're like, all right, all right, man. And then they just went on to something else. And his look on his face, I never forgot it. He was just like, and it was like, can't do stuff for other people. Right, and then right. she got pregnant. So the first time he had sex with her, she got pregnant. She kept the baby. He did all that to try to impress a group of knuckleheads. You know what I mean? But that uh-huh. was just that was just the culture that we... So did they get married? Did he care? Was he in love with her? He did ended he? up... The story is actually even more tragic, man. Yeah, yeah they, they ended up being a thing, but he got he got shot in the head in North Carolina. Yeah, dude. Years later, but that's years later. They was the saddest oh, podcast. Oh man, ever. this is what takes such a. It took such a terrible turn there. Yeah, I, like, just, well, I, mean, yeah, I should be together. careful. They I gotta let you tell the story up to the point where you want to, <laughs> yeah, and then not ask questions about. No, they're all but, shot in the head now. Yeah, they're everybody, all everybody's. But no, when I in high school, man, I saw it. And it was just the thing, man. It was it was this culture where we all just didn't know, you know. What a whether what a healthy relationship if there is such a thing looked like. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, so I would date women and, and but along along my path I would get these I would be told these great lessons. I remember Franklin Najai, the comedian Franklin. Yeah, Najai, no, I know Franklin. Me. I was going through. I haven't seen Franklin girl. in a while. Oh, I'd, love to, I'd love to see him again. I oh, talked to him great. on the phone a couple of years ago. Oh, anyway, so what did Franklin tell you? Oh man, he's great. He told me uh, never apologize for the way you feel. Cause I was just, I just went through a, a breakup with the girl, and I was really sad. And he told me, "Never apologize for the way you feel." Like, how does he mean that? Well, that that empowered me because it's like, like if I tell a woman I love her, you can't expect her to say it back. Like that's that's just the way I feel. That's the way you feel, that's the right? Way I feel, mm-hmm. and so 
Uh, if she doesn't receive it the way I wanted to receive it, that's not on. I can't get mad about that, and I can't be upset about that. And even if and and so what happens is a lot of times if we do feel that emotion, we won't say it because we're afraid of being hurt. Like we don't know what the outcome. Is I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I definitely agree with that. You got to yeah. be honest. You got to know how you feel. Sometimes you can't even figure. It. Some people can't. They don't even know how they feel. Yes. You know, I've. I've talk to guys who are in these long-term relationships and they just don't want to commit and get married yeah. and it's like dude this has been going on for 10 years what what do you really don't think you love this person what do you think is going to happen yeah. nothing's going to happen you make them happy you be honest with yourself tell them you love love them and get, let's high five and get this get on with it but that's scary to a lot of people it's, yeah, yeah. it's one of the most scariest unknowns it's a weird thing people think they're protecting themselves from something and they look up I just talked to a guy the other day who's who's 50 years old, an amazing guy, a very accomplished person. He was like, I never thought I'd be single at 50. But he was, everyone is afraid of getting played or getting hurt or, or something happening to them instead of uh, the other thing. And, and, you ha- and it took me a while to learn how to not be afraid of it. And some way. people are waiting for, they think that... They think that this is this is Mister or Miss right now, yeah. not Miss right, but Miss right now. Oh yeah. And then oh, yeah. they think something better is going to come along. Meanwhile, they spend ten years with this person. It's like you, you two know each other, you care about each other, you spend all this right. time. You know that time that you spend with someone has value in the sense that even people who are in an arranged marriage, they spend that time together and they've been helping each other out. Yes. It's just like that. That's valuable, and you don't just find another person who's who's got a sexier body or a prettier smile and instantly have that 10 years worth of but right but no i've seen i've seen guys do that where there was somebody for all that time and they uh-huh. just can't commit because they kind of keep in they're in their head they're like i don't know if this person is the one right and it's just like you don't know if they're the one you just spent 10 years with them yeah and and then they won't commit and finally the other person says well look i'm got i i gotta move on i gotta go yeah and then they lose them and immediately they realize, oh, no, you were the one. And yeah. it's too late. Yeah, what is that? What, how, like, how are we conditioned or raised to where we don't value the moments? You know what I mean? Like, and that, that's not just also with relationships. That could be with things. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could be having a great experience. But in your mind, you could be like, I wonder, you know, I, want, I really wanted to do that thing. It's like, enjoy. Well, it's you're yeah. right. It's about the right now, and then it's a, mm-hmm. and it's about realizing. Look, what what has value? So many people are get so busy thinking about the future, some some imaginary thing that yes. is not the reality of what's happening that they don't understand. Look, this is happening right right now. Right. You just spent ten years with this person. So you must really care about them. Right. Like wake up to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, tell me. So tell me about kind of. We're talking about you, and yeah. you're in college, and you're kind of learning these lessons. And oh, where yeah. were you at with it when you started out? Were you thinking, oh, I just want to have a bunch of girlfriends or something? Because you didn't ever seem like that. No, me. no, it was just more like, like I came from like I'm, a, I'm a handsome guy. I'm not like, I'm not. Uh, I already said you were sexy. I don't know what you're fishing for. <laughs> no, but. I'm not. <laughs> but it's like, so I would say, when when I was 13, and I guess first started liking girls, like. 13 year old girls at that time didn't necessarily like 13 year old boys they liked 14 and 15 yeah that's always kind of the case until you until you well 
I mean, look, I, you still see women who are whatever women, women your age who are going after older guys. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's still that's natural. But anyway, so you, it was hard. Oh, well, you like can't that. really go younger when you're 13. You you got to be with the girls just who you're weird. Yeah, you can't weird. have an 11 year old braces yeah. girl when she hasn't even developed yet. What are you yeah. doing? What are you doing? Yeah. You got so so I was. Um, and I'm a romantic guy, I guess. So I would always like before I asked the woman out, I would uh, I used to like do side jobs to save money to make sure I had the money to you know I would wash and wax cars in the neighborhood and do all of this build up before I even asked the woman out. Because if she said yes, I didn't want to be like, all right, in three weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know you've got the money saved to <laughs> yeah. take her out on a date. Yeah. So I would get ready and nervous, and I would you know ask her out, and then just get rejected, and you just feel just awful, and then. Mm-hmm. You go through, for me, I went through that from like 13 to like maybe 18, 17. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to figure out, you know, what my moves were and who I was. So then in my young 20s, I felt like I had just a lot of, I had to make up for a lot of lost time, you know. So like, mm-hmm. I had these goals of things like, okay. And I called myself like a, when I was working the road doing comedy, I called myself like a 48 hour closer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like if I met you, <laughs> you got to meet him on a Thursday, <laughs> work him Thursday. all day Friday, yeah. and then all day Saturday, and then I after the second show out. Saturday night, yeah, after yeah. the second, yeah, then it would be yeah. If I meet you Thursday in the mall, <laughs> uh-huh. come to the show, and I had it down. I would be like, hey, um, you can bring as many people as you want, but just make sure you have a separate car because if you like me, I want to hang out with you. I didn't want to do the whole. Group cut him out thing. of the herd. Yeah, yeah, I had it. I got it down to a science, and and then it was even more like I would pay attention to the language. Like if a woman would go, uh, when, when do you leave? Then I knew that she was interested, you know. And I would, and I would just, I was just exploring that in my early twenties, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, so, but you wouldn't then then like have a relationship kind of or so monogamous thing with somebody in one town no you go you'd no. have a good time with that person stay in touch maybe see him the next time or yeah i was able to do that but i also had like tremendous guilt being raised by um i was raised by a lot of women who you know loved and got hurt so i wasn't a good ender so it would kind of just fade away, hopefully. So, so they sort learn. of thought that it was going to turn into something, yeah. and you knew it wasn't going to turn uh, into I something. I went through that. And so then I had to learn how to just be very clear about that without sounding like a, a dick. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, well, I don't know how you do that, you, because you, yeah, it's you, pretty <laughs> tough. No women want to hear, like, no yeah, look, why don't we just let's have a good time for now, and then we'll, right. but it's a free country. We'll right. do whatever we want. Well, that's the dick part. It's a free country is where you get yeah. dicky. It's just like, you know, I, this isn't going to. You just, so I, I did that. But at the end of the day, at the end of doing that, I would still feel empty or lonely. It sounds weird, but I, I, part of me, but I would ignore that. Like, ah. And I would just go, and I knew, like when I lived in Chicago, I knew I wasn't going to stay in Chicago. And I didn't want to bring anybody with me out to L.A. So I wanted yeah. to come to L.A. With That's me. where you started doing stand-up in Chicago, right? I, professionally, yeah. Yeah, I and started what? in Notre Dame. It's out uh-huh. in, uh, well, I started in Maryland, actually. The first time I ever went on stage was in uh, Greenbelt, Maryland in 1992, the summer of 1992. Uh-huh. And it's ironic. I just I bumped into that the guy who put me on stage out here like last month. His name's Pops. And I was like, what's up, man? Yeah, he was out here. He's, like, managing somebody now. And it was Uh really, it was, like, really cool to see him. And then um, he gave me a crumpled up $25, man, for the phone. And I was like, I'm a professional. 
And then I went to college. I went back to college for my sophomore year. You couldn't tell me anything because I made money performing in Maryland. And that's where you were were in... uh, Home for the summer, yeah. But you were in Notre Dame then, right? Yes, I was at Notre Dame, yeah. So then Notre Dame in South Bend, a funny bone opened in South Bend. Yeah, I worked that funny bone in South Bend. I know. And so that's when... um, you know how all the comedians worked the door here at the comedy store? Yeah. I did all that stuff in college. Mm-hmm. So I would go to class, and then I would be a doorman. I would mm-hmm. seat everybody, and then they eventually let me be the house MC. So I would go to class, doorman, and then host. And but you're going to Notre Dame, yeah. and you're doing comedy. Yeah. So you're playing ball at the same time? I didn't play no? ball. I, you didn't I, play ball no, in college? I won bookstore basketball, though. I played intramural. And anybody right. who went to Notre Dame know what bookstore is. That's the biggest outdoor tournament. Everybody plays all intramural basketball. Yeah, so you got that. Yeah. So you're doing that. Yeah. Notre Dame is no joke, man. It's no joke. It was no. But I didn't. I mean, I didn't look at it like that. It was just like you know. You're, did you get? You got a degree, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have a finance degree. I have a degree in finance. I studied Japanese for a little while, but I knew I was going to be a comedian. Like yeah, yeah. I got the degree. I'm glad I got the degree. You know. And I knew, but I did. I knew I wasn't gonna come out, and I had no aspirations to come out and do anything in the world of uh, finance like, mm-hmm. or finances. They say, yeah, I, I knew uh-huh. I was gonna be an artist. Like I also studied acting when I was in in undergrad, and I and I was I did stand up every way I could, and just I just mm-hmm. knew I was gonna do it. I just didn't know how to do it. I read a book by I can't think of his name. Uh, uh, he wrote for Bob Hope, and I'm not a fast reader, but I read his book in a day. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to do this, you know? Right, right. You knew, you knew what you wanted yeah, to do. I knew, I knew. So did you move then to, to Chicago right to out Chicago. of college? Yeah, and I had to get a gig, so I sold life insurance for like 11 months. And I got kicked out of a lot of homes. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's good practice for comedy, sort of, because on an individual basis, I yes. think rejection is even harder to take. That's what people worry about on, you know, public speaking. They think, oh, it's going to be so hard to go on right. stage and be a comedian, because what if you bomb? Right. It's like it's way worse to bomb with just one person. Like, get oh, out of my house. It's <laughs> you know? the worst. And you drive there, and it's always snowing or raining in Chicago. And mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, and so I did that. And but I learned how to cold call because you had to cold call. It was just like Glenn Gary Glenn Ross was my favorite movie uh-huh. at that time because I was like that's that's I'm getting leads. I'm getting that's my that's so. My how life. would you know who to call? You would call them up. You would yeah. You would just um, they had a bunch of this is before you know email internet and yeah yeah yeah. So they had a bunch of cards and you would just call people. And I would call a lot of my Notre Dame alum, like people. They would, that t- but they would kind of help tell you who to call. And so, what are you selling? You're selling. I sold, uh, I sold life insurance, like whole life term. Yeah. And I would help you get your financial life in order, mm-hmm. but I only made commission if I sold you this one product. So I was like, "This is salary, yes, or just man. do you get salary. any salary or no, no? All commission. It's all a commission, but all you only commission. Com- get commission on one thing. Yeah. Even if you sell something else, you don't get a yeah. commission on if it. If I sold you a term life insurance policy, right? Uh, and and uh, so you could get thirty years of coverage, and you're only paying like nine dollars a month. I don't make anything off of your nine dollars a month. But if I can talk you into doing this whole life insurance policy, where you uh, <laughs> where you also get like an annuity and it pays into your thing, yeah, that's a racket, so, right? That's a, a racket. That's that's what I saw. I was like, this is a hustle, and it was so funny because they would bring you in with, we have a whole bunch of different products that satisfy your need. They would always funnel people over to this thing. Well, mm-hmm. with the thing, you could do it. And I was like, this is. 
and it was the first time like I learned about how life works you know mm-hmm. because I was meeting people who had like I don't know when people tell me their job position sometimes I don't even mm-hmm. it doesn't register what that is but I had to meet with people and I'd go what did, and I'd find out what people made for a living and what they did and yeah yeah and, that's and, funny because you're like the expert and you're figuring out you, I mean, you're the, you know how life insurance works, and right. you're telling them that. But then they're telling you about their life, and so you get to find out all this stuff. Like, a person like me, I have no idea what most people make for a living. You know, right. you hear on the radio what the average salary is right. and how much people have saved. But you never know, like, how am I doing compared to somebody else? Like, I don't know. That stuff fascinates me. That fascinates mm-hmm. me. Like, if someone someone tell, I'm like, what? And you do that? Like, I just, I just talked to this uh, anesthesiologist uh, the other day. And because um, I have an idea for something I want to write, and this guy has—he makes a lot of money just to put people to sleep. Yeah, he says he works like twenty-eight hours a a week. Yeah, uh, um, um, and he is living like the life. He's—I was like, I didn't even know this existed, and I was like, why is it? Why do you get paid so much? And he was explaining it to me and you know it's a specific skill set and you right and, there, and there, there's it's a specific specific skill and it's dangerous like yeah, I, yeah. i've had to go in for which i've talked about on the podcast but it's i apologize for talking to you about my colonoscopy oh, wow. but you got to get put down for it wow. and the guy and the and the insurance will pay for uh, only twilight anesthetic so the guy, the doctor said, look, but I won't do it unless you get totally put down. And so you got to hire an anesthesiologist and then you got to pay them out of your pocket because the insurance isn't going to pay. So I know what he got from me was like 500 bucks for like a half, an hour of work. That's it. He's making 500 bucks an hour. That's you it, know? man. And he was telling me, he goes, if Michael Jackson had me, he would still be alive. He was, he broke it down. He was like, Michael Jackson had a cardiologist put him to sleep. Everybody knew that guy was a dummy. You don't you don't get a cardiologist. You hire an anesthesiologist to put you to sleep, and it was it was crazy. Yeah, I think if you're a I think if you're a pop star and you and you go, yeah, I'd like to. I need to get a new doctor, and I need an anesthesiologist. You know, you just showed all your cards. Like, no, I. You know what you need? You need a counselor, and you need to go into rehab because <laughs> you don't need an anesthesiologist to put you to sleep. <laughs> right? Yeah. So he was, you know. But yeah, I was just, I was fascinated by I was doing that. I was doing comedy at night. Mm-hmm. So I was selling life insurance, doing comedy at night. But only 11 months, so your comedy took off pretty yeah, quick. Yeah, well, you know, well, yeah, I started making some money doing comedy. I go, if I can make the same amount or more than I'm making, like, then I'm quitting. And so. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I could get unemployment. <laughs> If you can't get unemployment if you're making if you got a job. No, but I quit that job, so I thought I could go. No, but if you get a new job, you right. can't. I, I yeah, had no idea. You didn't know how it worked. I had no right. idea. I had no these. I was not taught any of this, so I quit the life insurance company and I go to the unemployment office. It was mm-hmm. they had offices, and I and I said, "Hey, man, got let go. How does this work?" And he goes, "Did you quit or were you uh, fired?" And I go, why? He goes, well, because if you quit, you can't you can't start getting benefits. If you were fired, then uh, yeah. And I go, oh, then. And the word of the day then was downsized. So I go, oh, I was downsized like that. And he goes, we have ways of finding out. So I was like, mm. so I, no. <laughs> so he knows because yeah, you're not a very good poker player. When you go, did you quit or get fired? When you go, why? why? <laughs> yeah, it's like okay. That's a, I just push the button under my desk. <laughs> he puts a silent alarm. They're gonna come get me. Yeah. And then uh, so I had to I had to do temp work. 
had to do temp work. I went to manpower, manpower and assistance. Because you you thought you were going to get unemployment, you quit your job, you found out you couldn't get unemployment, and then you realized, I still don't make enough doing comedy, I get enough. Don't okay. make enough, don't make enough. So then I had to go, to, and, and um, my mom, oh, God bless her for this, she made me take a typing class in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I don't want to type, you know, play basketball, I don't want to type. But I learned how to type, man, and so I had to take a typing test in manpower to get put on their top desk and you had to type 55 words a minute and I was rusty hadn't typed in years and so uh, um, I got like 52 and so but I needed work immediately so they gave me a job working in a mail room in Chicago for some business and it paid $7 an hour and it was probably one of the hardest jobs I ever had in my life because when they saw me come in the regular mail people were like oh yeah we ain't gotta do nothing so I was on my feet the entire eight hours just working like in this small space like it never stopped they right? took advantage of you because oh my god yeah and yeah. I just was working paper cuts whatever for the entire I, I had a half hour lunch uh-huh. which you know was nothing and then when I got my check after they took taxes out seven dollars an hour yeah, I made like man. 28 bucks you know the minimum wage is still like under eight dollars an hour. It's like how do how, I just want to see some of these Congress people like do the math. I, I understand you think you're going to collapse the economy if right. you raise the minimum wage, but do the math. The economy already collapsed for somebody who's making seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour. No, there's no way. You yeah, can, and you and the amount of taxes they have to pay. There's mm-hmm. no way you can right. make ends Brutal. meet. So yeah, man. So I was like, I went right back there. And I said, I got to take the typing test again. And I took it and I passed it. And they put me on a, on a top desk that paid between 12 and 14 an hour mm-hmm. back then. And so, and when I was on the top desk, the supervisor would come out and go, I hope you bought something to do. And I was like, wow, $7 an hour. I was working my ass off. 7 to 14, I'm, I'm playing computer games. And that's when I got the idea. I just got, um, I bought a USA Today. And I looked at the the weather map on the back, and I just started circling cities I wanted to go to. And I would just use their free long distance, and I would call and set up showcases for myself as a comedian. And that's why I would drive wherever I had to go, showcase, and they would usually hire me. And then uh, I'd get a date and just start. I started. Uh-huh. started going to Were you working as the headliner then? Or? No, no. no so I was, you'd have to I go in as MC a or, feature, MC or feature. But I would always end up end, end up becoming a feature. And then they would co-headline. And then that's when I started yeah. experiencing, well, you need TV credits if you want a headline. Yeah. So then I would get them on TV. But then they would go, well, that show doesn't matter anymore. you got to get on this show now. Yeah. So then I'd get on that show. And then... Then they go, uh, that's good, but that show doesn't. So I kept chasing shows, and I right. was just like, so I was starting the headline, but I was getting paid, you know, the low headline. It wasn't like, and I would be selling out, or what. I'm like, can I get whatever? And I, I just didn't even know. But now where this is back up to time, in time with the women where you're kind of doing your 48-hour oh, yeah. close thing. Yeah, that's, yeah that's I was when getting that's down going my 48-hour closer and yeah. uh, mastering my skills of, <laughs> of bachelorness. Yeah. And then uh, um, then I moved out to L.A. I was going to move. My plan was Chicago, New York, L.A. But I started booking. I got an agent. It was one of those, um, like, if this happened in L.A., it would be amazing, like one of those stories. But... I was performing at Zany's, and this model decided he wanted to perform. He won Star Search, and he decided he wanted to do comedy. Zany's in Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. downtown. 
and I was performing on the show, and he went up before me, and he stank. He was awful. He was just the worst. And then he gets off stage. Now, I loved when people would come up and just stink because I knew I was just going to go, you know. Yeah, the audience is relieved then when you get on and uh, you, you, like, know what uh, you're doing. Yeah, yeah, they were all doubting their choice. Like, the right did we do the do? right night out? Yeah. So when I get off stage, his agent was like, do you have do you have representation? And I didn't know what that I was like, what, what do you mean? What's that mean? I'm a citizen. <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know what that meant. And she goes, uh... And then she goes, here's my card. And so then I started showing the card to other people. They go, yeah, that's a good agency. You better. And so um, I took an acting class. It was a commercial acting class. It was the first Uh one I took. And um, I was in there and I was like, I could do this. Like I was watching people. This is what this is. So a lot of my stuff was like, I could do that. And so then I showed them the card. Yeah, call her. So then I called her and and met with her and she became my agent. And I Mm -hmm. I started booking commercials in Chicago, and then I started doing voiceover work. Mm-hmm. I started finding out. I got into the. I, I did a commercial with Larry Bird in Grand Hill, right? And I had mm-hmm. like eight hundred dollars in my account, and I show it was a two day shoot, and I was in the in the commercial with Arthur Agee. He was in that movie, that documentary, Hoop Dreams. So mm-hmm. it was me, Grand Hill, Larry Bird, and Arthur Agee, and like two other guys, and and uh, and uh, the second day I come on set. This lady standing there in a suit, and she goes, Are you Owen Smith? I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I'm Owen. <laughs> She's like, Come with me. And I go, All right, all right, so I'll see y'all in a minute. And she took me in this office, and she goes, I'm with the uh, Screen Actors Guild, and your Taff Hartley is up. And I was like, What the hell? I don't know what Taff Hartley, what the hell is that? She goes, Well, basically, you owe us $1,800 uh, dues if you want to step back out on, you know, set. $1,800? And, uh, no, it was. I think it was. Yeah, it was eighteen. It was eighteen hundred dollars. What were you making on the job? The scale, whatever scale was. So you're. Two-day so scale. You're, are you going to make enough to pay even no. your dues? The so you're going to have to go out of your pockets if to the commercial. Yep. The first couple of times I was on TV, I lost money. Uh-huh. I did Comic View as a comedian, and at t- that time they weren't union. Uh huh. And they paid like $150, but you had to fly yourself out. You had to put yourself up. You had to get an outfit. You had to (laughs) And then when I did Def Jam, that was, that was, they became after the year I did it. So all my money I got paid for Def Jam went right to my after dues. So Mm -hmm. I got paid. And then, uh, uh, so then I had to come up with 1800 bucks and, uh, I only had seven to my name and I had rent coming up and I said, I said, I, I had a friend that played for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals at the time. And I was like, hey, man, look, I need to borrow like 1300 bucks." But he had this, all right, man, I could wire it at this Western Union. This one. I, go, I can't leave. I don't know. And I didn't want to call my mom because she didn't really know. She wasn't still, she wasn't sold on this lifestyle yet. Right? Uh-huh. But I had to call her and I was like, Ma, I need $1,200. I will pay you back as soon as I get money from this commercial. And she was so, uh, she always did the opposite of what I thought she was going to do. I thought she was going to be like, I can't believe. Mm-hmm. She's like, fine, let me talk to that lady. And she, they set it up. As soon as I got my money, I paid my mom back. So your mom solved it on the phone solved right it, then? Solved uh, she it. seems, I, well, that's the last time I saw you in person was at the grocery store where your mom was visiting. Yes! So I just got to meet Full your mom. Full circle. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah. 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 It was funny because I rem- I remember now that you're talking about her saying to her, 
that, you know, oh, your son is very funny. Yes. Because I always feel like my mom wants to hear that. <laughs> Validation, and yes. So, and I believe that. Yes. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll oh, tell her. Thank you. Yeah. And then her reaction to it was a little bit, like, I couldn't tell if if she was totally down with the... You, but she must know your career. I mean, well, you you're doing great right now. Yeah, right? I get recognized now. And she, at first, didn't believe it. Like, because whenever I'm in New York, I, I walk down the street, people are like, yo! You know? And my mom... From the commercials and from stuff. the commercials. Mm-hmm. My mom loves it. Now, um, Bernie Mac is the person that talked to her about showbiz. Bernie Mac used to do... Bernie Mac used to want to be Bob Hope, right? Uh-huh. And so he used to do this show... In Chicago, in a room about the size of your office, man, it was really very intimate. Which is small. Very, yeah, it was very intimate. And he had a full band back here in the corner, and he had a, he stood on a small stage. He had dancers, and he would do like forty or fifty minutes every night of pages that he and Ali Leroy wrote together, right? Uh huh. And he would every do, night he'd do a every whole Tuesday. New I'm sorry, every, every two, every once Tuesday. a week he does a whole new show. Costs five bucks. He called it "Get Your Yucks for Five Bucks," right? Get your yucks for five bucks, and people would come in, and he would do two singers and two comedians. And Ali Leroy saw me perform at a comedy club in Chicago called the uh, Fallout. It's called the Funny Firm. Then it became mm-hmm. the Fallout. That's when I worked there. And he said, "Hey man, you funny. I want to put you on this show." I was like, "Fine." I did that show, and Bernie sits on... It's so small, he sits on stage behind you. Now, Bernie was huge to us back then, because he had done Def Jam, and he was... Uh, he tore it up. He did... I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. Like, that whole thing. Right. But the, but, but that was... was That was before um, Kings of Comedy? Was yes. He, yeah. yeah, that was before the Kings of Comedy. Yeah. But to, to us, Bernie was like the man, right? And you know he's going to be a star, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so he already was a star to us. Yeah. And so he... Um, liked me and brought me back a lot like I did that room a lot and so one time my mom was visiting and I just took her to the show because she still was like you have an 80 at that time you have an $80,000 education you're going to throw it all away because she didn't understand how showbiz worked yeah so she comes to the show I had a great show and uh afterwards Bernie stayed and talked to my mom they talked over like I could I can only see them they talked for over an hour Mm-hmm. And then after that, she's been my biggest supporter. Like, wow! When I was doing comedy on the working the road, she was like, "Are you making your calls? Are you doing your thing?" And he did it. Like, she was on it. And to this day, I don't know what they talked about. But she, uh, when his show came out on Fox, she was like, "He was telling me some stuff about that." But she helped him. He helped her understand, you know, how the business worked because she was of the mind you need a steady income. Well, and how you're already on down the road of, right. you know, it's not. It's not if, it's just how yeah. much success you're going to get. Yeah. Because you, he could tell that already. Yeah. Right. It was the greatest gift. And he always called me Ons. <laughs> Ons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was great. Bernie Mac, man. Yeah, it's man. too bad he's gone. I know. I know. It's, it was, it was, yeah. But he is, uh, all these things just kept happening where it's just, but when it was time for me to decide to move to New York, I'd already had some acting stuff. Like, I wanted I wanted to challenge that even more. Because when, when TV shows would come to town, I would get a part on it. Even though it would be a small part, I would still, I'd be in there. You'd get it. I'd get it. And, and there's uh, more there's more acting stuff in L.A. than that, there is in yeah. New York. Well, that's what, I, that's what I thought, you know. Well, I think sometimes, I, sometimes it seems like to me when I talk to friends of mine who are actors and, or actors, 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 or comedians who are also actors, that uh, the thing about New York is there's not as many jobs, mm-hmm. but if you are an actor 
in New York, eventually they get around to have they have to put you in because yeah. you know it's like, look, we've had everybody in this show already. Yeah, it's your turn to be on the show. It's a law and order, and get your thing yeah. on. And the whole thing with New York too is like, if you are a theater person, which I, I really, I've done plays and I loved plays, but I love I love stand up more. Mm-hmm. So like on my downtime, I want to get on stage and perform. Um, and theater actors, they, they want to find a play, but yeah. I'd rather do six weeks working on my act, culminating my act to, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I like stand-up know. more than being yeah. in a play. I think yeah, I, it's just, it, it's more immediate and rewarding, and yeah. you've got, con- it's the control, man. You can, yeah, man. you're in charge. Hands down, hands down. So the funny thing is happening now, like the business is changing again. And uh, I wanted to tell you this. I called my agent. I have, I have a packaging agent, and uh, he sounded like I talked. Explain to him. what a packaging agent <laughs> is to people who are listening. A packaging right now. agent, as far as I know, is he makes his money when he uh, can sell a sitcom and package it with everyone from the the writers to the actors, and he gets a fee for that. The right. studio, I guess, or the network. Someone pays him a fee. He puts it all together. But now, is yeah. it, so are you at his, is he your agent agent? He's my literary agent, right? Literary so agent. So I okay. called him up because I had I had some meetings and uh, I hadn't heard back from him. And it was just weird. And you never want your agent to sound panicked on the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like panicked and just and I and I know that tone like from sales when I was doing life insurance when guys weren't doing good or making their numbers mm-hmm. I know what that sounds like you know so your agent is panicked I feel like I, I can't see him but I feel like he's stroking his ties oh, oh and I gotta tell you it was like uh-huh. what's going on I just felt like you could feel like his way of doing business is not like it's changed well it's, finally those guys are realizing like it's it's a it switched a long time ago for us yes. into it's a do-it-yourself world. You've yes. got to go out and promote your shows and try and hustle and get yeah. make things happen for yourself. And, and you got to you, you have to figure out how to get on Twitter. You have to figure out how to do a podcast. You have to figure out all of this stuff. And then they would they they still don't. You know, you call them up and go, "How come you don't have a website with all your clients on it?" Yes. You know, how come you don't have a website that's got all your clients' schedules on, on it? it? You know, so that. How come you're not promoting your brand as, look, I represent all these people. Look what all these people are doing. Right. Right. And it's it's like, so it's a weird time. And I'm seeing that like in everything. Like, like my girlfriend, who will be my fiance at the time that you uh, hear this is, uh, uh, she was telling me that there's a whole new group of young girls who are coming to her job dressing slutty. <laughs> like their idea of professional is like they'll wear the the skirt that they could have worn out to the club last night, but throw a blazer on over it, and they wear these heels. What's the idea of that? What does she? What's her job? Oh, right now she's a um, uh, she's a, does marketing, so she's an email uh, marketer mm-hmm. uh, for uh, this company, uh, like a software company. But it's a real job. It's, it's a not real a showbiz job. job. No, it's not a showbiz job. It's a real job, and so uh, not that showbiz jobs aren't real. They are real <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so then she, could, but it's so funny because. You know her her reality or her training of what professional is is now being you know it's a whole new group. Well, why? Out. What are they doing when they do that? They are they're they're wearing. Um, <laughs> is the idea that uh, is the idea that I was just looking to see where we're at on that. Oh, okay. But is the idea that they're trying trying to seduce somebody to work? No, I don't. I don't think those girls know that that's not 
you know, how you, I guess, should dress, or even if there is a way you should dress. It is funny, because young people don't seem, they don't understand, like, you got to be, if you're at work, you have to be nice to the customer. They yeah. don't understand that you need to be polite and seem interested when you talk to another person. It's like, some, it's weird. It's My like sometimes. Me. I know it's weird, right? It's, it's weird, like, like, how you're 25 years old and no one taught you how to be a person. Nope. You know what they I mean? All through the screen, man. Yeah. So when they have to talk to you, it's like, hey, man. It's like, what? Aren't you happy to be here? It's cool. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. And the other day, I heard, I saw this um, person who was not black saying the N-word a lot walking down the street. So I was like, and she was on the phone. Where you at, N-word? Where you at, N-word? And I was like, I got I to gotta see who... Like what's going on? So you following her because yeah, she's going to yeah. go meet somebody? Uh, yeah, I, I just have to see who's being called. You know? Do you th- and do you find out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a white girl. It was an Asian girl and a white girl calling each other the N word like it was nothing. And they're young. They're like in their twenties. And well, because it, they've completely unhooked it from any kind of racial meaning. Unhooked it. And I made I put myself in their eye line to see if they would change the energy. No. Well, it's actually that they didn't change their energy means that it really didn't have any meaning to them. Nothing. You know what I mean? Right. It's like it's like when people say, "This is you know you, I get we're not supposed to call someone a retard." But mm. my thing about that word is no one is still using that word to refer to a person that's who has a mentally handicapped right. Right. That is a situation. Yeah. 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 Well, no. No. But <laughs> right. We're trying. That's what I, my point is. We're right. all trying to work out what the rules are and how it works. And right. and for that word retard, only time I ever hear anyone say it is they're talking about their dumbass friend. Right. It, they ne- no one ever says it when they're talking about a handicapped person because no. you'd be an asshole if you did that. And I c- this the Zen word thing is it's freaking confusing because you hear people saying it all the time and not in a mean way in a friendly way to each other yeah on you know and not just on the street but on tv and in videos and that's how people you know that's how people of color are relating to each other right and so these two girls get confused and they think well we can now we can call each other that man yeah i'm telling you and so the whole thing is they don't have a problem with it but people in my generation still are holding on to a Well, I sort of feel like we all have to give it up. We all have to give it up, or we all have to kind of say, look, it's not as easy to figure out who's racist. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, because that's what cops used to tell me about when... uh, It used to be criminals had a uniform. Like, they used to wear the big baggy clothes and all that because it served a purpose. They could hide stuff in it, like Mm -hmm. their drugs or if they had a gun. Mm -hmm. That's why they wore bigger clothes because they had places to stash stuff. But then when good kids started dressing like that, cops said, we can't tell the difference. We don't know who's Well, and that's and that's kind of the reality. Racism is all about, mm-hmm. hey, I know who you are because of the color of your skin. Right. Right. And that's and that's what you push back on. It's like because everybody wants to put a negative thing on it. But even if you say if you, even if you associate it with a positive quality, like some people say, you know, like like a stereotype about Jewish people, they're good with money. Right. Well, then that's anti-Semitic, which is another word for racism. Right. But it, when it's applied to to Jewish people, right. But so racism is all about I know who you are because of just one simple thing about you, which is the color of your skin or right. your religion or you know your national origin. I would actually and so, say that's more bigot. That's more of being just a bigot. 
Well, so then how would you say? What a you- specific difference, and like everybody is bigoted, right? Uh, with that, because because you don't you well, don't we all can't help. We all can't help generalizing because yeah. you don't yeah. have access to everything. And so bigots are, you know, at the because at the end of the day, a bigot would say retard, but then help a a mentally challenged person. You know, give them the shirt off their back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, a racist person would, in my opinion, would also have an opinion about your religious belief or whatever the thing is. And also try to stop you from <laughs> from, oh, from yeah, those. Okay, like, all right. So, I see. so, yeah, so yeah. That, that's the yeah, like you know they try to put legis- whether it's underhanded through legislation politically or or just overtly not hiring you. That then you know you're letting your bigotry control you know something else. And to me, that's the racist thing. But like because I performed in 48 states, I was always like the only black guy in a lot of places, and so it'll it'll be a lot of times you know they're seeing a a black person you know do certain things and they weren't racist they just never saw it so i had to i had to just go okay this is new for them and again, well, it's like you're a celebrity. You're like a celebrity ambassador of your race. <laughs> it's like, tell yeah, us what it's like I on do. your on your planet. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. And so that so to me that person, for me to say they're racist, then the 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 narrative is already yeah. is already yeah. killed. It's just like all right, you never seen it. All right, uh, you know. But anyway, it's a confusing world. You can't figure people out it's just so by confusing. what words they use, like no. with these two girls, or, yeah. or what color people's skin is, or I, you know, it's just like you don't know. But, but we were starting off talking about these girls don't know how to act. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, I'm just I'm just fascinated by like our business is changing. Like you can blow up on YouTube now and and things like that. And, and right. As opposed to, I heard a story yesterday mm-hmm. about some girl who blew up on Vine. Yeah, she's a star on Vine. It's six thousand dollars a Vine or something like making that. making seven second videos. Six. She, yeah, she's she's famous yeah. enough that now she's got a deal to do a TV show. Yeah, off of doing Vines. Yeah, and uh, I still feel like I want to devote my time to working on my act. I, what I want to do is do my show in a nightclub for the audience that shows up. Mm-hmm. But so I'm trying to figure out ways to use Vine or Twitter or or uh-huh. podcast just to kind of get people to hey. It's going to be fun. Leave your house and come out to the club. That this is this is this. Is, I have a good time. You have a good time. I know. And other people are thinking like, I just want to. I just want to make my little six, seven second moves. Is it six seconds? I thought mine is six. Uh, Instagram is fifteen, and then Google has come out with something that's. I think it's Google. They come out with something that's sixteen. So here's 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 the challenge with that though. Be now, what about that. feed? I was asking somebody about this the other night. Feed, feeder, feed, feed. P H E E D. I don't know anything about that. What is that? Well, I, I'm following Alonzo Bowden on Twitter. Okay, and I, sh- I should just ask him what feed, feed is because I tried to. I went to the web. It's like a social interaction website where you can do text or you can do videos that I think they're unlimited length. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do audio. You can put whatever on there and then put it out. And then mm-hmm. I evidently you can also then tell it, hey, hey, put my feed on my Twitter. I put my feed feed on my Twitter feed. You know, that's confusing because they're naming everything. All right, the same. my PH feed or my FEED. Yeah, so I was just, so then yeah. then you're trying to figure out, is that something that I should join or is that something that I shouldn't join? That's the thing. It's like, well, let me, let me just say this. I wish the person who got the deal from the six seconds, I hope that it translates into that different um, 
what am I trying to say into that different to be a different thing because it's weird like okay yeah. you're killing it at six seconds yeah but now, now we're you gonna give you a TV minutes. show yeah and so can can you do can you do a TV show I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that she probably cannot I'm gonna go on well, record we'll and say she it's, it's just like when you see someone who has um, who blew up on Twitter and then you see them live they can't sustain a 40 minute show because they're well not always or sometimes because tweets are like just one line jokes and it's hard to keep that it's a different that intensity for 45 minutes I mean there's guys who can do like Stephen Wright that's sort of his thing his he was he was he would have been a king on Twitter before there was Twitter years ago but it's like but you have to understand in my opinion that she is when you're doing six seconds you're hot all the time like everything is Turned right. up, whoa, whoa, and if I put that in a twenty-minute pair, people would be like, whoa. "You're gonna seem like a crazy person." Yeah, you got and it. you're also not. It's got to be conversational. We yeah. we're all in the same room. You have to relate to me. You can't just be right. one silly thing after another. But she may find a home. She may find the place that. But that's well, usually so. what happens, you know. Well, there's guys who yeah. like uh, Rob Delaney. You follow him on Twitter. I mean, he's just so funny. I hear he's funny, but I, I haven't seen I haven't seen his act in person, so I can't say. So. I have, and I will say this. Um, that well, this is a public thing. That's so fine. I, I, I have I no know. problem saying this to him because it's, it's the thing. The thing about comedy is you can't cheat it, but you can always get better. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's not good because he has an audience. Like he figured out how to get an audience. I can't right. crap on that. It's like it's like Tyler Perry. Movies. So he's really good at one thing, and he's still figuring out the other. I think thing. he's still trying to figure it out. Like when I and here's the thing. I heard he had a very bad set on. Kimmel or something like that, or he did he did a late night talk show and it didn't go well. So hopefully that'll teach him, you know, that he's got to do, you know, it's just a different art form, yeah. you know. But I'm not I'm not like I don't know him. I I, I really I would like to go see. I want to. I've seen I him. I go I've see him, him in a club sometime. I'm I've always seen excited. him live, and he's he he has the development of like somebody who has been doing it for like maybe seven years. You know what I mean? Like I can. I well, can still, that's in, pretty good. I, I mean, that's a, that's the thing. It's like sometimes guys get their yeah. their their success at promoting themselves, or their success at this thing that they got famous for. Like he is he is a master at Twitter, Rob Delaney. But you I know mean, what else I'm learning too, though? I'm not saying Rob did this, but a lot of people. This is this thing I should send it to you. A lot of people have fake followers. And like, oh well, I don't think he's that. But I hope, I hope he doesn't. But okay, but, so now we're not talking about no, him. Now no. we're ta- we're changing the subject to another thing. Yeah. This is not about him. No, no, no. I, I would like I to get some. You, yeah. Here's why you want fake followers. Yeah. Because people now agents go on. Yeah. Well, first it was you would go to a meeting and they would say you should get on Facebook. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of comics are getting on Facebook, I and know. my thing was always like. If only there were a way for you to find out if I'm on Facebook. Right. You know, how do you not know whether or not I'm on Facebook? How come you're not following me on Twitter? And then now they they know about Twitter, but they don't go and read what you're doing on Twitter. Uh -uh. Like, it's like, hey, you should get a podcast. Well, I have a podcast. Oh, that's great. Six months later, have you listened to it? I'm so busy. Right. You know? Right. right it's like, right, hey, I'm right. already doing a thing. And I already got people listening and people tweeting me and emailing yeah. me. But uh, now now what they do is they go on, they just skip right to the followers. Like, like I don't care what you're doing on Twitter. How many followers how do you many have? How many followers do you and have? And so I'm right at 7,000. But they're a solid 7,000. That's great. Um, that, look, I'm going to tell you what. I, had a, I, did a, I did a late night talk show and I had a meeting with the people afterwards. And they asked me, how many YouTube subscribers do you have? And how many Twitter followers do you have? 
Uh-huh. And then I was like, I, I worked hard to get here to do this. I don't, I don't. So that is, that's important to them. That is. Yeah. Well, that's, but when they say that, like, it makes you feel like, so wait a minute, are you telling me that you're putting me on your show because you think I have Twitter followers is going to help you? That's exactly because what it is. if the equation is switching over from you're helping me to get attention to I'm helping you to get attention, we need to we need to take a meeting because I'm not getting paid enough now. <laughs> I know. You know, know. you are paying me the I'm doing you a favor. You're doing me a favor right. money. Yeah. But if I'm if, it, if we're switching around to I'm doing you a favor, right? I need a raise, man. I'm telling you, I looked at I sat back and I looked at all of the comedians now who are in the narrative of the next guys that are coming up, and I just looked at all their followers and all of that, and mm-hmm. like the average. Is fifty thousand or more real fake and different whatever? But if they have 50, yeah, that's where I figure followers. It seems like if you get fifty thousand real followers, mm-hmm. then you have a chance when you go on the road. I mean, I already have a following, but I feel like if I was connected to that, it's it's all about how do you get connected to them. And I, that's I've it. been doing this long enough that I've got fans now right. that are in their fifties and sixties, even seventies. Wow! But when they started watching me, yeah, they they were they were in their forties or their thirties. You know, yeah. if you if you were my fan and when I first started and you were thirty years old, yeah. you're sixty years old right now. Wow! You know, if you were my fan the same age as me, then you're the same age as me. You're mm-hmm. you're in your early fifties. So right. a lot of those people, they're not they're not messing around with. I got to get on Twitter, right. and so they don't they. Every once in a while, you get an email from somebody. I get an email from somebody that says, "When are you coming to town?" And it's like, "Well, look, I'm tweeting it. I'm email. I got an email list. I got. You can check out my website if you don't want to, to uh, subscribe to anything. Yeah. But it's like, look, if you don't subscribe to the stuff you like, right. you're never going to find out when it's there because you're not watching TV, nope. right? Nope. You're not. I'm not advertising on TV to right. tell you when I'm coming to town. Right. Nobody picks up that local weekly, weekly magazine anyway. So. I feel like you need those Twitter followers or those Facebook friends or those uh, email list subscribers or podcast listeners to to be able to to have enough people who know when you're in town to come out to your show. Mm-hmm. But then now Hollywood is reversing it and they're they're like, Well we wanna we we would like we'll look we think you're talented. Or we don't need, we can't or they just admit like, okay, look, we we don't know. We we don't know who's we don't talented. Know who's we talented. can't figure out who's talented. Oh. What we can do is look at a number. And so you how many how many Twitter followers do you have? How yeah. many how many subscribers do you have on YouTube? Because when that number gets big enough, then we just figure it's amazing. You're made. It gets you in the door and then you impress them with everything else you do. You can So do. how do we get those fake Twitter followers? I know a guy. And I- <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I know a guy. Let me look you up. Now I'm, I'm, it's, it's amazing, man. You can get, you can get fake YouTube views, fake Twitter followers, right? Know, but it doesn't really do that. you any. It doesn't really do you any real good. If it you only helps. It, it yeah. well, it only helps you fool somebody into giving you an opportunity. But right. if you can't actually deliver on the opportunity, like. If it fooled somebody into giving me a gig in a comedy club, I can do a great show. Right. But if they think that those fake followers are going to show up at the gig, they're not because they're fake. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I know plenty of plenty of some these guys who are going on the road, or maybe I don't know plenty, but there are right. cases. Let's just say there are cases uh-huh. of comics who 
are funny and, and they have a ton of Twitter followers or a ton of this. And then so the club hires them and they don't really sell that many tickets. Right. So maybe those are real Twitter followers, but they just don't ever leave their house. Yeah. They, just they just listen to you on Twitter all the time. Yeah. And that's their, I mean, that's the other thing. How do you get those people to leave the house? And yeah. Like, what is the future? What is the, I mean, what do we do? What is the future? What, I mean, How are you going to pay for this engagement ring, Owen? Dude. I'm pitching right now. I need to sell a show. <laughs> Dion Cole's Black Box. Please come back. Um, I have... Uh, you were writing on Dion Cole's Black Box. I was writing Black on Dion Cole's Black yeah. Box. It was so much fun. And uh, and you were writing on Whitney Cummings' show. On Whitney Cummings' show, Whitney. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I wrote on... Before that, Byron Allen did two pilots I was able to help with. And then I did... Ice Cubes, Are We There Yet? I don't know how I became a writer, man. I really just fell into it. Like, I, I love acting and, and, and relationships and obstacles and mm-hmm. conflict. And I, I just, I really love human nature. Like, so my style of writing, I, I love something that feels real and makes sense. And then you can add the jokes later and get absurd. Mm-hmm. But I also like absurd stuff if it's done well. But it's right. really challenging to find an audience when you're trying to pitch absurdity. They kind of have to see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, it's hard to pitch. It's hard to pitch things nowadays because the people don't want to imagine. They want to know that it's a slam dunk. They want to know like, okay, this guy has a million YouTube subscribers, so right. we'll just let him do whatever he wants, and then you got control. But when you actually have to, well, we, you. We believe that you are good. Right. We've decided we want to take a chance on you. Yes. And then it's like now you have to convince them to let you do what you want to do. That's mm-hmm. when it's all falls apart. It's so well, it gets complicated. We should do that, man. We should we should buy a million YouTube subscribers and then just track what happens. Well, maybe we should just. Well, first you're making some YouTube busy videos, so I should. You know, ask you I about am. That. My girlfriend got me into because I, I did an hour special. Uh, I was inspired by. You, I don't know if you remember years ago you told me about your your specials. How you, mm-hmm. how you went about doing them, and I never forgot the stuff you told me. And I did. I just got frustrated because I never I never got into the Comedy Central lexicon. I never got. Yeah. Um, so you got your special. I, I saw. Yeah. I saw you. You can buy it on your site. Right? Buy it, but I just put it up on YouTube because I did it in 2007. So the jokes still stand up. Like the so, stuff people are interested in watching yes. your hour special. They can yes. go to YouTube or YouTube. what's your website? Uh, well, go to my YouTube, uh, youtube.com backslash Owen Smith TV, or just go to YouTube and then type in, in the search type TV. Off. Owen Smith TV. Oh, Owen Smith Anonymous is the name of the special. And yeah. then my website is owensmithisfunny.com. And my Twitter is at Owen Smith, the number four, real. I don't know why I did that thing. The three. You went down yeah, to a four, three. Yeah. yeah, four, real. At Owen Smith, for real. I'm on that on all social media. My Facebook fan page, Owen Smith, for real. Well, so you put your special on YouTube. That must have got you a bunch of, of views, right? Or? I just did it like two weeks ago, and it's already up to like 1,500 views, which is... Well, that's great. That's well, I hope... Good, I, you know. I mean, I... 
I know you as a stand-up, and I—I right. I mean, these other shows are great shows, but yeah. I mean, you're just a solid, funny guy, so Thanks, you deserve man. success as a as a stand-up. And now you're doing this benefit show for my kid's school. I can't wait. So I went on your website to uh, check out, you know, because I had to send a link to the person who's doing the poster and whatnot, and then right. I realized I could watch your special, but I just get, didn't get—I oh, haven't got—I right. haven't gotten down to it yet. Yeah, but I'm gonna do that. Okay. Um, so we're we're still all over the place. No, I want to let's okay. Let's finish up with a transition from okay. you. You're a guy who's kind of having these series of relationships. You're not a serial killer like you, but you, <laughs> but you're a, you're you're this. You're doing the 48 hour clothes, and you got women <laughs> right. going all over town, and you're breaking yeah. their hearts, and you're feeling bad about it. But you're you know that's all going good and then you decide well I want to look for just one person or what happens yeah well, well I, I got to a point in my life where I realized I wasn't choosing anybody I was I was letting people pick me mm-hmm. you know what I mean so I would do my act and then I would stand uh, you know out in front of the comedy club and whoever came up to me mm-hmm. that's who I would date you know what I mean or if I was out and about whoever gave me the most energy was who I would pursue uh, no, not pursue is the wrong word. I would just kind of just let that happen. That's who I'd be dating for the next right. eight months. But because I didn't, in my mind, I go, you know what? I haven't actively pursued a woman in years. Like, where I go, hey, how are you? Um, you know, can I take you out? Can we da da da? And I was, I was calling and I was, you know, just the aggressor. Like, um, so, hey, I, I got, I made plans for us to go to a concert if you'd like to go. I made reservations for, can I take you out? I was So you had mostly been waiting for them to show I was interest. reactive. Well, yeah. a little bit, though, yeah. you were active because you, you're giving away free samples of who you are with On your stand up. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that, to me, that was cheating because that was also my job. You know what I mean? Right. Like, no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I wasn't making myself vulnerable and making it, like, really clear that I. So you decided, how do you decide, well, then you're going to go looking, you're going to be proactive. Oh, man, I just, I was, I just decided it. I was talking to a group of guys and we all had a shared experience like that. Like, we kind of just liked who liked us pretty uh-huh. much. So it would be like, we would want Beyonce, but we didn't feel like we could get Beyonce because Beyonce is not going to come over to me. But Michelle would, like in the in Beyonce's shot, I mean, in our, um, Destiny's shot, it was Beyonce, Kelly Rowland, and Michelle, right? Uh-huh. So those would be like the three, like I guess metaphors for what I'm saying. So like the finest girl would walk in, ooh, I want her, but that's work. So then here comes Kelly. Well, and also you got to deal with Jay Z. <laughs> right, I mean, that's right, the other right, problem. right, I mean, right. Yeah, that's another. She probably got Jay Z, but you could still. I still know guys that would make a play for that. They would still right. just go, and I just wasn't that dude. So then here comes Kelly, and it's like, damn, she's really pretty too. And Michelle's gorgeous, but I would settle for Michelle. But then the whole time while I'm dating Michelle. I'd be mad at myself that I didn't go after Beyonce. So my mm-hmm. hope, it's like I never went after. Now Beyonce. it's a long shot that Michelle is listening. <laughs> this, but let's just say this is this is a metaphor. This is a metaphor. This is a metaphor, Michelle. I'm just saying yeah, you're gorgeous yeah. and da 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 da. But um, but it, in retrospect, she was the third lead in a group. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I would I would always end up dating the second or third lead. And one time, this girl I was dating told me that there was a singer. Who's who was she's still out there, and she we had a conversation, and she was flirting with me, and uh, I I told this girl I was dating that you know hey I met this singer and it was the thing, and she goes I don't think you would go after her she and and it was that analogy that she's the lead person uh-huh. and I seem to go after the background singer right 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 so I was like I never so I was like I've never pursued so I go I'm going I'm going to pursue, 
and I was so bad at it because I hadn't done it in How so do you long. pick the girls you're going to pursue if you're not going to go after women who are at well, your show? Well, what I would do is this. I had I had like an aesthetic type that I liked at the time. I'd go, okay, I wanted to be a certain... So it was, it was silliness, but it, it was where I started. It was my starting point. She needs to be at least... I had this thing. I needed her to be at least between 5'8 and not taller than 5'10". I wanted her to be a certain... How tall are you? I'm 6'4 and 3 quarters. Yeah. You could have gone a little higher. No, five, and i tell yeah. you why. i, I tell you why, because I've dated women who are taller than 5'10". And this is, this is how my mind goes. Uh-huh. So if you're taller than 5'10", it's great. You're sexy, da-da-da-da. But then as we get older, you're going to gain weight. I'm going to gain weight. We're just going to do that. If you have a child, we're just going mm-hmm. to get bigger, you know, easier. Yeah. So a a 5'10 or taller woman can potentially get close to 200 pounds. Now, your pelvis bone, <laughs> you cannot strengthen it. If she likes to be on top of you, that can be a lot of work. <laughs> this is how my mind, I love how you're... I love how you're, <laughs> so, so the weight ratio thing, so my mind works, Jake. So I go, I can't, I can't be with a woman who's 5'10 <laughs> or taller forever. I can be with her temporarily, but when she starts uh, once she gets I big, got a man it's weight. Be, yeah. yeah, I can't. I can't do that. The, I, can't. I got a man weight? Yeah, I got a man weight. I'm okay, uh-huh. so I need it. So, and I like that. I, I, my way of thinking about that is I, I sort of psychologically, and I've been with women that were a little bit bigger, uh-huh. but when you're dealing with someone who you can't get off of you, like yes. they're on top and you can't get them off, that's not a good feeling it's, it's as a not, man. No, as a man, not. it's not a good feeling. <laughs> it's not. The whole experience. You like to like, feel like, look, if I could roll you off me if I had to. <laughs> I would. And it was, yeah. I just didn't. So in my mind, my cutoff point was no taller than 5'10". I would do 5'10", but that is it, right? But from a women's point of view, you know, they're always, they're almost always dealing with a situation like, I could not get this guy off the top of me if I had to. True. That true. can't be a good feeling. No, and I never, yeah. I didn't even put that into my. No, no, yeah, we're talking about you. Yeah, Let's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I walk into this place and I see this woman who fits that. And, and my criteria was in the past, if I saw her and didn't have the courage to go talk to her, I'm going to go talk to her. Like, right. I would just go, oh, yeah, she's too pretty or you two. see for your you you kind of made a resolution for yourself like when resolution. i see the person yes. who fits the disc- who i'm who's my bullseye yes i get, i have to go talk to yes her. and so and i remember one time i was in an airport and i saw this woman she was gorgeous to me like she was just a just very very pretty and i went over to her and i was just very honest with her and i said look normally i wouldn't talk to somebody like you but i've decided you know life is short and we only go by you know, it goes by fast. So I just wanted to say, I think you're very beautiful and hello. And she thought, and I was nervous. It was like I was that 13 year old kid again who saved yeah. up his money to ask the girl out. And I mm-hmm. just, just was so, but I was like, I gotta face this, whatever comes. And we had a great conversation. She was in a long distance relationship with somebody in Houston. She had doubts about it, but I didn't want to. At that time, I, I, I believe in relationship karma. I didn't want to try to position myself as... You didn't want to... Cut, yeah. Yeah, because I was going to be a long-distance relationship because she lived someplace else. So it was just nice to just talk to somebody who I thought, you know, was very beautiful and we had a nice connection. And I left. I just felt a little strong. And you felt... you Well, you also feel like, look, this is not necessarily... If, if circumstances were different... That yeah. would have worked. It would have worked. worked. And it just right. felt good. Like, I just felt awake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just felt cool. And so then um, so then I see another girl, and I, and, I, and I went up to her, 
And I said, you know... Not at the same day on the same No, a couple of weeks <laughs> or whatever went by. I'm, I don't know how many... Yeah. But I went up to her and I go, I don't know anything fancy to say, so I'm, I'm just going to start with hello. <laughs> and how long ago and, uh, was this happening? This, oh, years ago. This was probably around 2007. No, before that, around 2005 is when I decided to start doing this. Oh, yeah, so... So, um... I met I met this other girl and um she really liked me but she lived with a man and so but I didn't know how to I I became the creepy guy at the club that time I was like come on we can I was just trying to see how far I could get her out of her moral whatever and I was just Well you're not trying sense. to you're trying to get her to cheat on him I was you? trying to get her to um not actually do it, but to consider it. And I wanted to have a conversation of how it would go down. Right. And she entertained it for a while, and then it got yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's a tough one, because yeah. if someone would do that to someone else, then they would do it to Awful. you. Awful. But it's like, yeah. it's boundaries mixed with, you mm-hmm. know, feeling lonely and wanting to just see. I just... Right. So I was like, oh, okay, that, that was creepy. I can't do that. And then I, I met another girl, and I talked to her, and we started dating. But... Um, what happens is we all have a certain amount of entitlement. Like when we decide to do something, the world should get out of our way. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, the person that I picked was not capable of loving me the way I needed to be loved. You know right. what I mean? Like her definition of love was not my definition. So we just weren't compatible. Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't know that could even be in the equation that you had to be compatible. Like I just assumed. I'm ready to pick somebody. It should work. But no, we, <laughs> we right. weren't compatible. So we tried really hard to make that work. And it took a while to go, oh, man, we, we're just not compatible. You're mm-hmm. a great person. I'm, I'm, I think I'm okay. You know, we're just not <laughs> like, yeah, you're a great person. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> That's why we're not compatible. I'm not great. No, but it's a, but, uh, so I was like, oh, my God. So it was like all these uh, then it's that that cliche timing is everything and you know like all mm-hmm. that stuff kept coming into play so it's kind of like it's like if you want to switch from being a comedic actor to a dramatic actor you know the 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 acting world has to some things have to happen you are you're all you're always great you're always ready but you know by the time you get that shot to be dramatic you have to still want it you know what i mean you can't be defeated by well we know you as this or well, it's like if you want to switch from being a writer to being in front of the camera aren't you a writer aren't you you have to fight through i want to be on camera you know and, yeah. and so so then i would go so then i would go back into my old habits of dating someone who picked me cuz it was i wasn't alone and it was just easier right. but i didn't really want to be so i would date the, the background singer and then you just you it was I was just going through that, and then I went to New York for a while, which was great because I got to just not, live there. Yeah, it was just great, uh, and I and I finally started having some success financially, where I was able to get ahead of. Mm-hmm. I was finally able to get you know have start having constant revenue streams so you're doing stand-up you're getting doing commercials stand-up and- commercial yeah it's coming from every place and so yeah. i'm like okay so i i finally uh secured a solid little piece in this business where i know i can work and make at least mm-hmm. this much you know what i mean so that was comforting so i go okay i'm and i knew what i, I knew more of what i wanted mm-hmm. in a woman and i knew more of what I just knew more about me. So when I saw my now fiance, I can say, is 
I, I honestly knew, and I met her eight years before. And when I met her, like the room stopped. I'm not even going to front, but I just where'd you meet her? I met her. I don't. I don't remember the place, but it was a, it was a, like a bar lounge area. And I remember went over to her. And, so you just uh, saw her and went over and talked to her. Well, I was introduced. It was one of those everybody went to college kind uh-huh. of thing, get together doing it. And so it was around the room. Hey, this is this is Owen. This is this is this is this is. And I was like, wow, I just knew she was just something about her. But so eight years, but then you didn't go out then. Nah, man, I bomb. I bombed so hard trying to talk to her. I just, uh, I ate some sweet bombs. I, she was, <laughs> I was like, where you from? She was like Gary, Indiana, and she was so used to people going, woo, Jackson Five, oh wow, pow pow, shooting a gun in the air like Gary, ooh. And I went, um, well, that's funny. You're from Indiana. I, I spent time in Indiana. I, I went to Notre Dame. And what are the odds that two black people in this in L.A. both have Indiana? Indiana. She was like, beat it. <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> just, you should have gone it, with the Jackson Five. I should have gone you gotta with the always got to always done the whole thing. Yeah. And, and start performing for her. But it was, I bombed. And then I saw her again. And. I told her I was from Maryland, and she thought I was just this Hollywood showbiz type guy. So you saw her again, saw her again, and then thing. you switched from Indiana to Maryland. So yeah. And what I didn't know is that she went to Hampton, and everybody Hampton is a, 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 a like a it's a private historically black college and university in Hampton, Virginia. So a lot of the people that go there come from my hometown in Maryland. Mm-hmm. So her experiences with them was good, bad, and indifferent. So she's thinking like with my five ten theory, she's thinking. I don't want to date anybody from Maryland. They cool, but I don't want that. So I'm bombing there. Yeah. She's from Gary. They didn't care about South Bend, Indiana, uh-huh. Notre Dame. So I bombed there. Like, in her, her list of who her person was. <laughs> now, Notre Dame is not a historically black college. No, it's, it's probably <laughs> one of the whitest places. <laughs> but it was great. It was. I yeah. loved it. I loved yeah. it. And then, um, so I just... So like it, that was like if a woman came up to me and said I'm five eleven and I plan on getting huge, you know. <laughs> That's five eleven. I, I plan, plan on, on getting huge. Plan on getting huge. I love fried cheese, food and cheese. And, right, yeah, right. I like to stay up late right. and eat a big meal right before oh, I go to sleep. I bomb. But you know what's so funny? Like then when I came back from New York, I saw her at a party and I just knew. And, uh, and when I said to her, I go, uh, I'm not leaving here without your phone number. And I meant it. Like, it wasn't a lie. And how long ago is that? That was uh, almost a year ago. It was November 23rd. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, and she was like, like, I saw, like, it didn't matter that I was from Maryland. And didn't, didn't, yeah. she gave me a number and we connected. And so when she gave it to me, she was very funny. She goes, um, I see you still standing here. <laughs> I was like, I'm not leaving you here. I'm not. I'm when you leave, I leave. You know, and it was fun, and we just had a yeah fun uh, connection. Like, why would I get your number and then literally leave? No, I'm. I was telling you my intent, and she thought it was funny. Yeah, and uh, and she was testing, doing a little test, like because uh, yeah. I was kind of popular at this party because I'd been gone. And then people were like, yo, I've been seeing you. And so all these girls were coming over, like, hey, and all that. Uh-huh. And I was like, um, she went to the bar. And when she came back, 
she was testing me to see if I would shoo this person away so we get and I did I was like excuse me we were talking do you mind and she was like got up my girl was like okay like it was like a whole so that's a year ago and then you kind of started dating off of that and been yeah, going since yeah I've been going since yeah. that's great yeah that's, that's kind of how the, my wife and I had a similar thing where we went out on a couple of dates and then she had to unfinished business with some other guy, yeah. so it was over. Four and a half years later, I ran into her, and then and then about a year later, I asked her to marry me, too. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it feels good, man. It's yeah, like, it's great. How are you going to do it? I'm, well, I'm taking her to Hawaii for her birthday. She turns... Uh, you don't have to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking her to Hawaii. And then... Uh, and I don't know where there, but I was going to ask her on her birthday. Where are you going in Hawaii? Maui. We're going to Maui. We're staying yeah. at, the, uh, at, the, at the Ritz. In Maui. Pretty deluxe. Pretty deluxe. I think she deserves it, so right. we're going to do all of that. And she has no idea. I told her I'm taking her to Detroit for her birthday. Not a knock against Detroit. It's just the funniest place I could think of at the time. She was like, where are we going? I was like, pack for Detroit. We're going to have like winter clothes in Hawaii. <laughs> and we'll get her something when we get there. But I want to uh-huh. literally have a coat, like, ready for Detroit. Yeah, well, you got to plan out your moment. you got to make yeah. it so that she can talk about it to her girlfriends uh, and, and her friends after you do it. You okay. know, you like you're producing a show. you got to think about it. Okay. Like, what's the moment you're going to do it? And how are you going to do it? And okay. you're gonna get, what are you going to say? Like, work out your speech. I've and been working on the my rank. speech. I've been working on my speech. And then you know what else? Well, this is some, what somebody told me. Tommy Williams, who used to own the Charlie Goodnight and Raleigh said, hey, yeah. when you propose, you want to then ha- set up a party right that night. So I proposed to my wife while we were surfing, which I turned her on to, which she loves. Right. And uh, we did it at the beach, and my friend had a camera who came, they came with us. And wow. so he took pictures. So I have pictures of right after I asked my wife to marry wow. me. So you got to try and figure out that. Okay. Okay. Because th- you got to get some pictures, like, right. If you can get, make friends with someone there, tell them what's going to happen and give them a camera or something right. so that they can take a picture like right after you, like you do it. Okay. That's good. Okay. And then he said, you know, have, have this party. So I had organized all of our friends to come over. I said, well, I'm, nice. I'm flying home. It's got to happen this day. Mm-hmm. So come, come over at seven o'clock at night. My friend went to Costco. He bought some food and stuff. And so I asked her to marry him me she says yes we come home she's completely excited she's calling her family and then you know the people we went surfing with say they're going to come back over to hang out so they come over and they brought and then people other people start showing up and my wife was like can you believe it's what a coincidence these people are coming over i go it's not a coincidence (laughs) that's the best i invited them over this is a party i did this i'm the producer yes you're surprised oh my god but i'm the guy i pull the strings for this right i produced this show no you didn't this is a coincidence yeah i did this that's so So it was really great so you want to try and think about it like that think about it as a as as you're producing this event like so you're going to propose to her she's going to be excited then she's going to want to call over all of her friends and then you're going to go do this and then you're going to see that and you got to get you know it's maybe instead of a party you can just tell her friends that they're that you're going to do it so be ready so they can connect with you or however you make that happen yeah you know i like that I need to figure out. Because it's good to fix it because she's going to want to tell everybody about it. She's yeah. going to want to connect to her friends about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you want to have a romantic... I mean, you're already in Hawaii, but right. you want to have some, like, like take it up even a notch that yeah. night. Yeah. I'm I can't wait to hear the story of how it goes, man. <laughs> so, this is going to come out on Tuesday. And when okay. are you going to do it? Saturday the 14th. Oh, Saturday this... 
Wait, what's the September fourteenth is when I'm doing it. Oh, dude, this is supposed to come out before. Wait. Oh man, Jake. We can't, I can't do it then. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta hold it. Okay. Because I was gonna put this out next Tuesday, but I'm gonna wait. So I'll, I'll, I'll air this on the 17th. Okay. So you'll have done it. Yes. And then she listens to everything I do, podcast wise. Yeah. And she's on it. So yes. Yeah. Well, it. I just described what, some stuff that you should do on top of it. You so, always uh, give me yeah. great advice. It was something well, else she told me before too. Ah. Basically, I'd listen to you every time you talk. Just know that. Well, that is, uh, if only yeah. more people would uh, do that. <laughs> Not, you know. Anyway, well, thank you for being on my podcast. Congratulations. Yeah. And, uh, oh, get me a picture, that picture of the moment right after you propose. Okay. And then I'll put it, when I post the website, oh! I'll put that picture on my website awesome. along with the thing. All right, man. I'll do it. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank buddy. you. Thank you. Oh, usually we do an audible high five. Mm, Sweet. Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, it was good. Well, congratulations to my friend Owen Smith and his now fiance, Relinda. I am not sure what Relinda's last name is, but she is not in show business. So in, if you're not in show business, you don't like to have your last name mentioned all the time because people could then, uh, I don't know, try and stalk you or do weird, weird things. And Relinda's already got a fiance. Um, so congratulations, Owen and Relinda. What a nice, nice story. Thank you for being on my podcast, Owen. And thank you, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, for listening. I appreciate it. Please do not give up. There will be plenty of time to give up later. There will be plenty of time. And uh, if this episode teaches us anything, it's uh, it's that dreams can come true. All you got to do is get your shit together. All right? You work on that, and I will talk to you next week. you know what speaking of getting your shit together i need to get my shit together and tell you that i am part of the all things comedy network i forgot to mention that because i don't have my shit together you gotta get your shit together um i'm part of the all things comedy network you can check out a lot of great podcasts on that all things comedy network bill burr and al madrigal invited me to be part of it so check out their podcasts bill burr's is the monday morning podcast and Oh, I think Al's podcast is Minivan Men. But there's a lot of good ones on there. Uh, so check those out. Jackie Cation's got a great podcast. And uh, my friend Tom Rhodes has got a great podcast. So check those out um, if you have time. If you don't have time, it's just you and me. Let's face it. We don't have time to do everything because we're getting our shit together. All right. Thanks again.
Yeah, it was good. 